Merry Christmas, everyone, and welcome back to the online ministry of Grace Baptist Church. One of the things I found hardest about the pandemic is being confronted again and again with the reality that I'm not in control. I've given up trusting my plans because things just keep on changing. Often when we're in a situation that we can't change, people will often try to redirect with sayings like, the only thing you can change is yourself. And that's helpful in one sense because it reminds you that you can't change your circumstances and you can't change other people. But it gives the impression that changing yourself is easy. <laughs> but it's not, is it? Have you tried lately? Gene Thompson once wrote, you wanted to believe that getting older, growing up, would change everything, transform you into the amazing person you were meant to be. But what if it didn't? What if you had to stay you forever? Well, the reality is that many people do. In fact, many of us get worse. What today's passage shows us is that a big part of the problem is that we don't see properly. David Rakoff had that problem. Straight out of college in the mid-80s, David moved to Japan and landed a position in an advertising company. Although their business was advertising, a huge amount of company resources were being devoted to setting up this thing to connect expats living in Tokyo at the time. It was a network where people would log on to computers to talk to each other or do research. Rakoff thought the whole idea was ridiculous. And so, in a moment of decisiveness, he walked in the next morning and quit. <laughs> of course, the network was what we now call the internet. But he couldn't see it. At another point in his college days, he went to a club downtown. He heard a young female singer in, from Michigan and thought, boy, she is lousy. The next, the next year, she released a solo album called Madonna, which launched her stardom. He couldn't see it. After his stint in advertising, he went into publishing and had to evaluate manuscripts for their potential. He was given one that he deemed subliterate and gave it an easy pass, definitely not worth publishing. Someone else decided to give it a look anyway. The title was Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, and it spent more than 120 weeks on the bestseller list and sold an incredible 15 million copies. But Rakoff just couldn't see it. One of the main reasons that we don't change is that we can't see. We can't see what's wrong, and we can't see the one who can help us. In this series, we've been looking at reasons to hope because of Christmas, and today's message looks at how Christmas hope can change us. Christmas shows us how God draws near and helps us to see, and in seeing, we begin to experience the change that we all need. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 to 18. If you don't have a Bible, you can click on the link for today's passage in the description below. I'll start reading in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end but their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. 
But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This is the Word of God. Now, there aren't any shepherds or angels or camels in this passage, but it's important because it shows how Christmas hope can change us. It starts by explaining why we can't see. It shows that there's a wall that makes God feel distant. It explains why people often complain that God seems so far away. It's not that he's walked out on us, but there's a wall that makes him feel distant. In this passage, Paul's talking about a passage in the Old Testament that his readers were familiar with, but you may not have heard. It's from the end of Exodus chapter 34. Many people remember that Moses went up on Mount Sinai and came down with the two tablets of the Ten Commandments. But when he returned, his face was glowing. He wasn't just red with embarrassment. It says that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. And this happened every time he went into the tent of meeting to meet with God and experience his presence. The glory of the presence of God changed him. It was like he had stood too close to a nuclear reactor, only it wasn't uranium that affected him. It was God's glory and perfection. It was like he had become a mirror reflecting what God was like. And do you know how people responded? It says that they were afraid to come near him. They were freaked out. And this is what often happens in scripture. When you feel the light of God's holiness, people can feel a sense of dread because it's as if every dark corner of your soul is exposed. It's like if Marie Kondo showed up unannounced at your home and started giving herself a tour. <laughs> It'd be scary to have her see the messes that you were trying to hide. And so what Moses decided to do was put a veil on as soon as he had finished speaking with the people and take it off again when he entered God's presence. That way, they would see that his teachings and commands came with God's authority, but they wouldn't see the glory as it faded. Now, with that as a backdrop, Paul says in verse 12 and 13, Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses who would put a veil over his face. Paul's ministry is putting the glory of God on display. It's entirely without veils. But then he says that there's a veil on people's hearts. In verse 14, he says, But their minds were hardened, for to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted. Then in verse 15, he repeats himself almost word for word, as if he's concerned that we might have missed it the first time. He says, Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. Now, if you've gotten lost in this talk of Moses and veils, I want you to listen carefully to why this is so important. He's saying that just as Moses' veil kept people from seeing in his day, it's like there's a veil over people's hearts today that keeps them from seeing God's glory. When he says in verse 14 that their minds were hardened, he uses a word that could mean callous. Now, today, 
guitar players and construction workers will develop hard, thick skin on their fingers from repeated wear. But when that happens to our hearts, we can't feel and we don't trust and we can't see what God is doing. Our hearts can become calloused in many ways through trauma and abuse. Our hearts can become calloused through betrayal and disappointment. Our hearts can become calloused through bad experiences that we may have experienced in a religious setting. But it's not just our experience of those things, but our response to them that ultimately matters. Ultimately, our hearts become calloused through sin. By stubbornly refusing God's invitations and choosing our own way, the tender, sensitive heart we were created to have toward God and his word is covered with a thick, hard callous. When that happens, we can't hear when God speaks, and we can't see when God moves. The deepest part of us is covered in a hard crust that we tell ourselves is there for our protection, but it's actually a prison. It keeps God out and makes you blind to his glory. When the Christmas story speaks of darkness, that's what it's referring to. But you know that the Christmas story is a message of light shining in the darkness. At Christmas, Jesus came down to tear down the wall. The baby was born to pull off a jailbreak. He entered our world to pull back the veil and remove the callus. At Christmas, Jesus came to tear down the wall. Now, after having described the veil that Moses wore and the veil that still covered people's hearts, hundreds of years later, Paul declares in verse 14, only through Christ is it taken away. That's the incredible hope of Christmas. You may have scars from childhood abuse or neglect that you've never healed from. The only way you knew how to cope was to put up walls to protect yourself, and they've been up so long that you can't dismantle them. Only through Christ are they taken away. You may have bitterness that started off toward a person, but you know that it's spread farther than that now. It's made you hard toward other people and even angry towards God. You don't just snap out of that. Only through Christ is it taken away. Maybe you're surprised to see that there's a callus there at all. You've never been the type to lash out and you wouldn't call yourself angry. You're more disciplined than most. But there's a simmering resentment in your life. God hasn't answered your prayers the way you'd hoped. If you're honest, you're disappointed with the path your life has taken. And you've let it form a wall between you and God. You've become hardened to his word and his presence. That doesn't just take care of itself. Only through Christ is it taken away. Child psychiatrist Robert Coles told this to a graduate class at Harvard University. A highly regarded psychiatrist recently told me in despair, I have been doing therapy with a man for 15 years. He is as angry and self-centered a man as he was the first day he walked into my office. The only difference is that now he knows why he is so angry and mean. And Coles commented, could we conclude that what this man needed wasn't just information, but transformation? And then he asked, but is transformation even possible for human beings? Jesus's answer is simple. In Luke 18, 27, he said, 
What is impossible with man is possible with God. In Paul's words, only through Christ is it taken away. It's not that therapy isn't effective. Often counseling can be helpful in diagnosing a problem. The information is crucial, but the, the transformation can only come through Christ. The power that we need is in him. In the temple in Jerusalem, there was a large thick veil that separated the most holy place where God's glory dwelt from the rest of the temple in the courtyard where the people would gather. But it made God feel distant. It was a reminder of the barrier that our sin has created between us and God. When Jesus came, that veil was torn in two from top to bottom. Jesus came to remove the veil. He came to tear down the wall. He came to remove the callous. In verse 16, Paul urges our response. After repeating what he'd already said about the veil over our hearts, he says, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. It's not as clear in the English, but he's actually phrased this using words from Exodus 34, 34, as if to say, when you turn to the Lord, it's like you're entering that tent of meeting where Moses met with God. It's like you're taking off the veil and speaking with God personally. It's like you enter into a relationship where you have direct access to glory. Through Christmas, God has drawn near. At Christmas, Jesus came to tear down the wall and he makes it possible for you to finally see. My fear, if I'd be honest, is that there may be people who don't hear this. You still feel that God is distant. You think that the problem is with him. And in the same way that David Rakoff thought that the internet was ridiculous and Madonna, a singer, wouldn't go anywhere, you think that the talk about God just feels a little irrelevant. Or if you're more religious, your faith just never feels all that important. What the Bible's showing is that it's not God who's the problem. It's the veil. It's the wall. It's the callus. That callus that's formed on your heart. And the encouragement of Christmas is that Jesus came to remove it. So turn to him. Come inside the tent. Step behind the curtain. Gaze on the glory of God. Now, maybe some of you are unconvinced and others are a little confused. You're not sure you want to turn to the Lord, or maybe you have, but you're wondering if I'm talking about something more than what you've already done. I want you to see why there's so much hope in what Jesus has made possible because of Christmas. Because behind the wall, God changes us. When he removes the callous on our hearts, we learn to let God and others in so we can get the help that we need. And as he opens our eyes to see, we realize what needs to change. But we also have an example to follow. Behind the wall, God changes us. Now, in verse 17, after promising that when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed, Paul says this, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. This is an incredible promise of freedom, but I need to clarify what that freedom is not. The popular ver version of freedom today is the freedom to live without consequences. People talk about a life of freedom like it's jumping out of an airplane without a parachute. But as long as the law of gravity is still in place, that's not freedom, that's just destruction. Our choices still have consequences. 
But the promise of freedom here is real. It's a freedom to approach God without the veil. It's freedom from condemnation, freedom from sin's penalty, freedom from fear, freedom from sin's control, its grip on our lives. It's a freedom to call God Father. It's a freedom that a child has in its parents' loving arms. It's what Jesus meant in John 8, 36, when he said, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. It's that freedom in a relationship with the one who knows us and loves us that gives us the courage to deal with the sins that enslave us. When the Israelites saw the glory of God reflected in Moses' face, it scared them. It scared them because they didn't know the freedom of God's love and forgiveness. And that may be what keeps you from letting Jesus peel back your veil. But when you turn to him, there's real liberation. And in that freedom, the change can begin. Verse 18 is both an invitation and a promise. It says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Because Jesus came at Christmas, we can turn to God and enjoy the freedom of a relationship with him without veils, masks, or walls. We can behold, gaze, and fixate on the glory of the Lord. And it's as we do that that we're transformed into his image. We don't glow with the brilliance of reflected glory the way that Moses did, but we reflect the character of the one we obsess over. And many Christians never fully understand this. They go to church because that's what you're supposed to do. But they spend the week beholding people on Instagram and YouTube that aren't worthy of our reflection. We do our Christian duty, but then we fixate on politics and pastimes and pleasures that reflect nothing of the character of the God we've been given the freedom to approach. Even when we turn to the Bible, it can just be an exercise in collecting facts and solving riddles. But God's word is a door to behold God's glory. And that's what we do through fellowship and worship as well. We enter a window through which we can gaze on the wonder of who God is and what he's done for us. And this verse promises that it's in that gaze that we're changed. It's as we behold the Lord that we're transformed. Do you remember the angry self-centered man I told you about? The one who had gone through 15 years of therapy with a renowned psychiatrist. Do you remember how he said that the only difference after all that time was that he came to understand why he was so angry and mean and how what he needed wasn't just information, but transformation. I think that the same could be said of Christians. You and I have met people who have a lot of Bible knowledge and we've also met people who have used the Bible and fellowship and worship and the circumstances of their lives to behold the glory of the Lord. And we've seen the difference. There's a difference between a student and a worshiper. Transformation takes place in God's presence. The change happens in the relationship. The good news is, at Christmas, God came near. In John 1.14, the apostle described it like this. 
And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Have you learned to worship him? He's the one who makes a change possible. That change happens as we consider him and behold him, as we fixate and reflect on him. Now, I'm old enough now that Spider-Man for me isn't Tom Holland or Shameik Moore or Andrew Garfield. I think back to Tobey Maguire. And in the original Spider-Man many years ago, there's a scene where he's talking to MJ, the girl that he secretly loves. He's trying to impress her. So he talks about a conversation he had with Spider-Man about her. MJ has fallen for Spider-Man, so she's eager to hear what he told her. And he says this, I said, Spider-Man, the great thing about MJ is when you look in her eyes and she looks back in yours, everything feels not quite normal <laughs> because you feel strong and weak at the same time. You feel excited and at the same time terrified. The truth is, you don't know the way you feel because, except you know the kind of man you want to be. It's as if you've reached the unreachable and you weren't ready for it. A perfect human love like that gives us a glimpse of what can happen when we behold the glory of the Lord. We learn who we want to be, and we have the help and encouragement to move there. We've all been reminded over the last couple of years that we can't change most of the things in our lives. And if we're honest, we can't even change ourselves. But there's hope because of Christmas. Jesus can remove the callus on your heart and pull back the veil if you'll only turn to him. Come before him in repentance and faith. And if you've done that, that's just the beginning, not the end. Step into the freedom of your relationship with God. Learn to truly worship and behold God's glory as you gaze on him. Let him change you. Let him lead you, even as you reflect his glory to others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, if we're honest, we often feel as if there's a distance. Our minds have become numb to your presence and to your words. Thank you, Father, for the clarity of the Word of God, reminding us that the problem was never with you. You'd never gone anywhere. But we can let walls build between us and you. We can let calluses build on our, over our hearts. Thank you that Jesus came to take them away. I pray, Father, for anyone hearing this message that has never turned to you, never had the courage to let you in, never professed through faith that Jesus is the Savior who can remove the callous, can tear down the wall, and make peace between us and you. Draw them to yourself. Father, for those of us who have, 
Help us to gaze on the glory of God in Jesus Christ. Not just to listen to stories, not just to read facts, but to behold the one who came to give us life, the one who gave up everything for us, the one who lived in holiness and sacrifice out of devotion to your will and love for your people. Father, may we be captivated by this love. May we behold not just a baby in a manger, but one who had come to set us free and one who even now invites us behind the veil to witness glory, to enjoy you and to be transformed into your likeness. Do that great work in our hearts now, Father, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I hope this message has helped you to see how Christmas hope can change you. I hope that it stirred you up to gaze at the glory of God that transforms us. If it's brought up questions or you'd like to know more about a relationship with Jesus, send me an email or leave a comment below. If you think this is a message that others need to hear, share the link and help spread the word. As always, for more messages of hope, visit gracebc.ca. God bless and see you next time. Thank you.